0: my income i'm going to do that because god says it and when god gives a command god always has a blessing attached to it god gives a command and he always has an a, a blessing attached to it and i want to just pray blessing this service here i want to thank you the nine o'clock service for your faithfulness and giving but i challenge you today some of you it's still a wrestle and a struggle i just challenge you to trust god in this area of your life kind I pray over you today father we thank you for the gift of the giver We bless your people this Memorial Weekend. I thank you for those that are here today, Lord Jesus. I thank you that your grace is upon them. Their hearts are open to hear and to receive. And Lord, so many that are here today have said yes to the call and to the command of Christ who believe that it is part of their responsibility to see the message of good news go around this community and around the world. I bless them today. I thank you for the faithfulness of the tithers today. You said, Lord, your blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. So we agree today for the blessing of Christ upon every giver today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give this morning. I can attend any church I want to.
1: I can listen to anything I want to.
0: I can choose any candidate I believe in. I can say anything that's on my heart. I can express conflicts I have with the ruling power.
2: I can start a business,
1: sell a product,
2: and live a dream.
1: These are all freedoms I enjoy.
0: I engage in these freedoms, and I appreciate them. But the only reason I have this quality of freedom, the only reason I have the freedom to do any of these things,
1: is because of this.
0: This is because of this. price of freedom is great. And today we remember that price. Today we honor people who have gone to their graves in defense, in
1: defense of our freedom.
0: Greater love has no man than this.
1: Then he laid down his very life
0: for a friend. This Memorial Day, we want to honor all of our veterans. If you have served in the United States military and any and any branch of our service, could you stand so that we can give you a great big hand this morning? We'd like to take just a moment to do that this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Well, this morning, We are finishing, we're coming towards the end of a series that we've been in for the last five weeks entitled Family Matters. And uh, this is actually going to be a two-part message this morning because we're talking about an area that is so prevalent in our culture today. We're talking about an area of sexual purity. Uh, The title of the message today is How to Live Pure in a Triple X World. How to Keep Our Hearts Pure. How to Keep Our Families Pure in a Triple X World. World. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to a passage of Scripture, actually two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're actually going to read one of the most famous stories, one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible. It's a story about a, the great king named David who had a huge moral failure. We're going to talk about King David this morning. But in this area of the family and in our culture and the generation that we live Everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, we're bombarded with images. We're bombarded with images and values that are contrary to the word of God. And this morning we're going to talk about this issue. And as I mentioned, we're going to make this a two-part series because there's so much to say about this area. But 2 Samuel chapter 11 tells the story of the great king. David was the greatest king that Israel ever knew. He was a man who was, God said, even after him. God said, this is a man who is after my own heart. David was a man who wrote most of the Psalms. And the stories of the kings of Israel, there was no one who was greater than this king. He was a man with great strengths, but he was also a man with great weaknesses. And this morning as we read this story, I want you to open your heart. I want you to allow God to touch your ears. And as we leave here today, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to give us a fresh sense of commitment and conviction and a realization that we need His power to live pure in our generation. Second Samuel chapter 11, the story begins. And the Bible says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. It was the time for kings... To go to war. It was a time when the man of God should have been doing what he was created and called to do. But David had been battle weary. I mean David was probably 50 years of age. And he had been a warrior since the age of 17. I mean even before he was 17 he had fought a bear. And he he'd fought a lion. And But at the age of 17 he, he really was enlisted into the military. He killed his first great man, and that was the man Goliath, a man who stood almost 10 feet tall. And this little shepherd boy went up against this great big Philistine. And in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Bible says that he brought that man down and he took his head off. And from that moment, David was known among the people as a great warrior. And for the next 33 years of David's life, David was not only a worker in God's kingdom, he was not only a man who fulfilled a role as king, he was also a man who was a great spiritual warrior, a great spiritual warrior, accomplishing the purposes of God and his generation. But 33 years in the battle, something happened. His heart began to grow callous. And in verse number two, the Bible says, Then David remained in Jerusalem, and one evening he got up from his bed and walked around on the roof to the palace. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now, she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then when she went back home, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were doing, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift for the king was sent after him. But Uriah slipped at the entrance to the palace with all of his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told, Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you come home from military campaign? Why don't you just go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. And in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah. And in in this he wrote, put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fierce. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Uriah the Hittite died. A mighty king. A mighty warrior succumbing to the weakness of his flesh. In one fell swoop, violating three great commands. I want you to skip down to verse number 26. And the Bible says, When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And after the time of mourning was over, David had brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord you should take that in your and your bible you got a highlighter a pen but the thing david did displeased the lord chapter 12 verse number 1 then the lord then the lord sent nathan to david and when he came to him he said there are two men in a certain town one rich and one poor god saw everything that david did And over a period of time, God allowed David to think that he'd gotten away with it. But a year after David's committing of this treacherous act, God sent a prophet. God sent a word. And the word of the Lord came. But I want you to see the heart of David. In verse number 13, when David was confronted with his sin, Uriah, uh, Nathan the prophet said, you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Verse number 13 to chapter 12, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Father, I pray today that you will open the hearts of your people to have spiritual ears to hear. and God, use my mouth today to be able to speak your truth in your wonderful and awesome name Let us leave this place changed by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. David and Bathsheba. Last Sunday night on one of the the Christian television stations, they played the old movie, David and Bathsheba. And as I watched this movie, I said, wow, they've taken a lot of liberties with this movie. But but Hollywood couldn't, couldn't paint a more intriguing, a more deceptive, a more gnarly story than what we actually read in scriptures. The fact is today that the Bible, the Holy Spirit, when he inspired the authors of scripture to write of ancient heroes, he was an artist of pure real, realism. No high gloss colors to brush aside the darker sides of their lives. No, it was all there. The bright side of David's faith and the dark night of David's soul. Our point this morning is not to wag the finger at David. Our point this morning is not to bring judgment against David. Because when we point a finger at someone else, we have three fingers pointing back at ourselves. Our point this morning is to see that there is a warning, there's a consequence to sin and rebellion, and to convey that there is a message of redemption and grace that only God can give regardless of our deepest failures. When I was six years of age or five years of age, I learned how to ride a bike. I learned how to ride a bike the old school way. When I was a boy, they didn't have training wheels for little bikes, and you were stuck on a little bike, and you were just pushed pushed and and you were supposed to start to figure out how to ride this bike well i had a friend of mine he was a couple years older me and they lived up on top of a hill my my family had moved to a small mining town in southern arizona and there in this mining town the the streets were very hilly and and one of the kids that we went to church with was about eight or nine years of age i was probably five or six years of age and he took me the top of the hill in his neighborhood and he stuck me on his bike and he said here you go and there I began to learn how to ride a bike. It was sink or swim. And I, I remember, I mean, I was just pedaling as fast as I could. I was, I mean, I was trying to figure it out. My feet were hitting the pedals and after about 40 feet, I just went tumbling down. I, I don't remember if I ever learned how to ride a bike that day, but I had the scar on my knee to prove that the asphalt really hurt. There's a fall. It's amazing what happens when men fall. All throughout the generations, great men have fallen. In our short lifetime of 40, 50, 60, 20, 30 years, there have been great preachers, great men of God who've had huge weaknesses and great moral failures. If David lived today, I told my wife, he never would have been ahead of the Southern Baptist or the Assemblies of God or the Presbyterian Church. David had great weaknesses. But when we read the Scriptures, we see that David in the New Testament is the first human name mentioned and the last human name mentioned in the end of the book. When we look at the life of David, we see something unique and special about him that we can all identify with. He was a man of great passion. He was a man that truly loved God. But he was also a man of great weaknesses. You see, David had fallen. But David also knew what it was to experience the forgiveness and the grace of God. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I look at the Bible and say, God, you knew they were going to do that. Why did you still choose him to be king? And then there are times that I look at my own life and I say, God, why did you choose me to start city church? I mean, come on, if you get really honest with yourself, there are times when you have this kind of self-talk going on. God, why did you choose me? God, how could you use me? God, I messed up. I blew it again. I mean, and everyone here, everyone here has a propensity for some kind of weakness. David's temptation was common to man. David's temptation of sexual sin was very common and has always been common to man as we look at this man's life, as we look at this man's heart, what we see today is that David, although he was a man forgiven, he was a man who had great consequences because of his moral failures. You see, God saw David today. God saw David today, not in his weakness, but God saw David for what he could be. You see, when God looks at you today, God sees your weakness. He knows your dust. He knows your frame. He knows your propensity for failure. But he loves you. And he's called you to a place, to a purpose, to a time, to a generation. You see, Satan loves to jump on your shoulder and heap accusation and condemnation and tell you that you're a failure and you'll never amount to it and you'll never get free and you'll never live pure in this generation. But God wants you to know today that he has a plan. He has grace that's sufficient for you. Come on. He has grace that's sufficient for you. The same grace that saved you. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that gives you the power to live free. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that gives you the strength and the power to live free. You see, God saw David not in his weakness, but God saw him the way that he could be. David had a train wreck. David had a fall. David had a crash. We read this story, and I don't know about you, but I'm like, my God, how could it be? But when we begin to look into the depths of our own heart. We begin to realize the propensity for wickedness and sin within us. See, David entered what the Bible calls a period of backsliding. He was 50 years of age. He had been a valiant warrior. They had said of David when he was a young man, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. He was a man of prestige. He was a man of power. He was a man of attainment. In the known world of his generation, he had rose into a place of privilege. And many times men, and not just men in our culture, but women in our culture today, when they rise to places of position and power, they have a sense of entitlement. Like they did something. Like it was in their power or in their might or in their strength. And David was a paddler. David was a fighter. He was a great fighter. He was a man who was afraid of no one. He was tenacious of spirit. But David had a sweetness of his soul that loved God. David at the age of 50 though had a midlife crisis. Hit a period of, I don't know. I don't know what happens. Paul the apostle said, "Don't be weary in well doing, for in due season you will reap, if you faint not." There's something about the human heart that's prone to wander, all of us, to drift away, to become callous or to become cool in our relationship to the Lord. You know, no one says, no one, no one, no one has a, gets a phone call from a friend and says, "Hey, let's go backslide tonight at seven o'clock." Doesn't work like that. It's a period of time. It's a process of little things that we allow into our life. Little things, you know, we have this love relationship with Jesus. We get saved by the power of His grace. We have these encounters with God. We know He's real. You see, what happens many times in your life is that you become saved and you have that instant transformation. But the fact is, the the walk of your life is a journey. I've always told people, it's instant purity, but it's not instant maturity. You see, maturity is a process. It's a continuation of doing the right things over and over and over. What happens in our journey, what happens in our walk, is that we become cool towards the things of God. Our worship attendance. Our Bible reading. I was listening to Dr. Jeremiah, and he was quoting George Gallup. And George Gallup said that of evangelicals who who profess to be born again, 20% never read the Bible. And another 25% barely read it. Seldom read it. I can tell you today, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not allowing the word of God to come into your spirit, there is no way that you can counteract all the messages and all the images and all the junk that's being hurled at you on a daily basis. Every person in this room has at least 3000 messages that are sent to them every day. 3,000 through your cell phones through your television through your radio through the billboards through the the malls the grocery stores There's always people trying to get your attention How do you combat that? How how do you deal with all those messages? How do you deal with that? You got to stay in his word You've got to stay in the word of God David allowed his heart to become cool towards the things of God I want to give you four ways that David backslid into sin and failure and how we can find our way out today. The first thing that I want you to see this morning. Is that undealt with sin in our life. Undealt with sin in our life. Is a loss of God's vision. Undealt with sin in our life. Is a loss of God's vision for your life. In the springtime. At the time of war. When kings, at the time when kings go off to war. David sent his men out. And he remained in Jerusalem. David was going to let someone else fight the battle for him. David was going to let his wife be the spiritual leader. David was going to let someone else take care of that Sunday school class. David was going to let someone else teach his children the ways of God. You see, David had a responsibility. You and I have a responsibility. Backsliding in our life is a process. And generally, it's a result of three things. Hanging out with the wrong people, going to the wrong places, and choosing the wrong playthings. Hanging out with the wrong people. The Bible says that birds of a feather flock together. Bad company, Paul said, corrupts good character. The people that you hang with will either make you a better person or they'll drag you down to their level. So I'm friends with everyone. But I'm, I'm not close buddies with everyone. I choose in my life to surround myself with people who are full of faith. I, my, my best friends in this city are men of God. They're not perfect, but they are men who are pursuing God. And they've been at this thing a long time. And we talk to one another, we encourage one another, we we pray for one another, we talk about kingdom advancements with one another. You see, the conversation of my heart, the conversation of my life, because I realize my own proneness to wander, is that i got to be around the right people. In order to be around the right people, you got to put yourself in the right places. And if you show up at church once a month, or do your little duty and check it off, you're not putting yourself in the right places. The things and the activities that we involved ourselves in. The old hymn said, Bind my wandering heart to Thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take it and seal it. Seal it for Thy courts above. The great battles don't come when we're out working hard. They generally come when we have lots of time on our hand, A loss of vision lots of focus a lots a loss of understanding the purpose for which god has created keeping our focus keeping our focus on god's plan and purpose about 5 years ago in our church a man came we had dinner together he and his spouse he and his spouse the lord myself had dinner together and we began to talk about the possibilities of working together in ministry it was that, that time we connected and built relationship. And for the last five years, six years or so, this brother and his wife and his family have been part of our church. And what we're about to talk about now is something that's very real. It's very bare wire. It's very nitty gritty. We're here today to bring redemption and hope. We're here today to talk about the power of God's grace to bring transformation to our lives. Something happened in this couple's life that rocked their world, and it impacted my world. And today, six years later, they're willing to stand before us as as a congregation and willing to tell us their story. And this morning, I want to welcome Tom and Lisa Wolf to the City Church platform. Can you give them a great big hand as they come this morning? Hi, Lisa. Very proud of you. Maybe I'll give, we'll switch up the seats here so Lisa has the high back. We'll be, there you go. All right. We got another mic there. I'll take this one. Get up there. That's pretty high there. Tom, why don't you put that seat down there for your wife a little bit. That's for a giant. There you go. Now, that's, a <laughs> that's a little too short. You're going to have to lift okay. it up now. <laughs>
3: All right. I don't even know where
0: the handle is. <laughs> oh, you got to lift her up now, man. <laughs> oh, we got to get really low. There
2: you go. No, no. Get in. Get in.
0: You get up and he'll help you. All
2: right. Just take a ride.
0: Okay. Small detail. Well, Tom and Lisa were talking about staying pure in a triple X world and and the story of David is uh, one, of the, one of the great stories in the Bible about a man who was passionate for God. He was actually, he was actually probably the greatest worshiper in the Bible. He wrote most of the songs, not all of the songs, but he, mo- he wrote most of the songs that Scripture record. And even to this day, we quote, we memorize, we sing those songs. He was a man that God exposed his sin, but he was also a man who had great grace revealed to him. Tom, I'd like to, for you to tell us a little bit about your story. Can you do that? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? And When did you become a follower of Jesus?
2: Well, I was raised in church all my life. Um, went to church over at Calvary Assembly. Grew up in the youth ministry. Did everything right. I did everything right. Um, we got married. Um, did not have sex before we got married. We knew that everything was all right, but I, I knew that there was a struggle inside my heart uh, for pornography and seeing different things on the internet or movies or anything like that. So okay. I knew that it, it, it affected me, but, um, you know, uh, I didn't know what to the extent, how to deal with it. Yes.
0: Lisa, tell me about yourself. Tell me how you got, became a Christian, how long you've been a Christian and how you came to the church.
3: Um, I didn't, didn't really grow up in a Christian family, but, um, it did start going to church when I was, um, Probably in fourth, fifth grade, um, I would go by myself, and then later on, convince my family to go. So. Okay.
0: And so, when did you when did you meet your your knight in shining armor? How did that happen?
3: Um, I met him through a mutual friend of ours. Um, she went to school with him. Okay. So I was 21 and Tom was 18. Okay. And um, we met in 1990 and uh, dated three years, and we're married. Um in ninety four, January eighth,
0: nineteen ninety four. Okay. Marriage, you have your first son, you have your second son, Mm -hmm. you're moving Mm -hmm. through your life, you're being involved in ministry, you guys actually were were part of a church plant, is that correct? Yes. Tell us about that a little bit. Tell us how that went. Um whenever I uh
2: I knew a calling of God on my life, even at a young age of probably 13 years old, I knew that there was an anointing on on my life for piano and and vocal. And at 19, I was actually uh, given an opportunity to go to another church in Inverness. And I turned it down and went down to West Palm Beach to help start up a church from scratch. And we stayed there for about eight years. Um, Everything was good. Uh, My grandmother passed away. And I wanted to make sure that my grandkids went with we grew up around your kids got to see grandparents. Yes. Okay, yeah. so you guys are
0: servants. So you're involved in ministry in local church. So you move back to Orlando, and Lisa and I understand you guys then became part of another church. Is that correct?
3: Yes, um, we were. Um, orig- we originally went to Faith, but then um, their pastor had asked Tom to go help his son-in-law and uh, daughter start a church out on the east side of Orlando.
0: So you guys are involved in another church plant. And it was there that something happened. Why don't you tell us what happened at that church?
2: Well, I let my guard down. Uh, woman. Uh, we started creating a friendship, and from friendship led into uh, emotional ties. We started sharing feelings for one another, started sharing uh, different things. Uh, sometimes whenever you're uh, going through ministry, you really... You critique your whole life, and you go, "Okay, I wonder, did I make this decision? Did I make this decision?" So, I questioned my own marriage. I questioned whether I was supposed to be married to Lisa. I questioned a lot of things. And uh, through that whole course, uh, basically emotions
0: on top of emotions. And um, Lisa, did you know anything was going on? Did you did you have any kind of sense what, um, what was happening? Or?
3: Not, t- not for a long time, but. Um, In October of that year, um, Tom had mentioned that um, she had expressed feelings for him. And uh, my first thought was, we need to leave now. And um, he felt that he was able to control it, and it wasn't an issue, that he didn't feel the same as she did. But, you know, I felt like we needed to go then. But we stayed, and we didn't really share it with anybody. We just kept it quiet and um, thought that it would just resolve it. So obviously
0: that wasn't the case. It obviously wasn't. he wasn't able to. And that's yeah. the way sin always is in our life. We think we can manage sin or we can manage some area of our life, but we never can manage it. The devil will always take us farther. He'll hold us longer and he'll make us pay more than what we ever thought.
2: I, I thought I could handle it on my own. He th- yeah. I, I had to, you know, I was... Like Jesus was in me i 'm going to conquer this thing, but yeah. then I realized that
0: I needed somebody else yeah that's that 's sin nature you can 't do that sin nature on your own, yeah, so Lisa, how did you find out how did you find out about this affair that Tom had entered into
3: um, well in in October is when he told me that she had feelings, but from October till December, it had been escalating, and um, until I, I think it was the first week of december um, He came to me um, early in the morning and uh, shared with me that he had had an adulterous affair. And... um,
0: Tell me how you felt. Tell me what your feelings were.
3: I was stunned. I I almost felt numb. I didn't know what to think. I was, of course, uh, very upset and, and... just in disbelief that it actually happened. Because I kept trying to tell myself, well, my husband wouldn't do that to me. Um, all along from October till December, I kept saying, they wouldn't do that to me. They, you know, my husband knows that he, you know, he wouldn't do that to me. I, I guess I had that. You were in disbelief, he just couldn't. Uh, yeah, I yeah. couldn't put my mind around it. Um, but um, as time went on, you know we kept it a really quiet we didn't share with anybody and as time went on that that s- stunned feeling just i started feeling angry and bitter and um just it was it's not good I just
0: felt <laughs> numb but then you tried to hide it you guys
3: tried yes. to cover it up
2: well immediately whenever i confessed everything on a saturday morning to lisa to lisa i actually had to sing at a wedding which was Very, very hard. Yucky. And I had to use. uh, I had to sing uh, "You Lift You Lift Me Up" by Jason, uh, and and it was very difficult. But I got through. But then I immediately left the church, left that church. Okay. So so
0: goes on, and uh, our relationship begins, and then God does expose it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God does expose it. And so uh, here's the deal. We read the life of David you can 't hide sin <laughs> yeah you can 't hide it you can 't you know, and guys, what these guys are talking about this is just real, and this is painful and and god 's done an incredible work, and we 're going to talk about the process of restoration and this is where city church became part of. this is where my wife and I and our church family became part really became part of their life and part of the process of restoration let 's talk about that let 's talk about what happened, so we found out, and immediately we had to uh, We had to deal with that issue. We had to talk about it. Because at that time, I believe you were leading worship here at City Church. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And so tell us what happened. Tell us what happened as a result of this sin being exposed.
2: Uh, I stepped down. I believe we sat down for about a year um, before. And tell us, what what does sitting down mean? Uh, Sitting down means uh, that I was uh, just part of the congregation. I just went to church and uh, didn't do anything. You were working pest control I, at the time? Yes. Yep. I was doing outside work, um, very strenuous. I didn't do anything with the sound. I didn't do anything with the lighting. Everything that I do right now, I did not do. You weren't involved in the worship, worship ministry? I just to uh, be in the church and to show that I wanted to go through this process. I didn't want to skip any process at all. Okay. This process. And what
0: were some of the things that helped you in this process? The two of you, as a couple. What were some of the things that that you guys did that really helped you well, kind of began to work at everything. first
2: we went through counseling and we spent about two thousand dollars just mm-hmm. on counseling and it didn't work uh, the counseling though helped we got a lot of things out in the open but uh, ultimately it was more of a heart issue than it was really talking it all out so to the heart issue it was our process was celebrate recovery once we went to celebrate recovery we um so tell, tell me what
0: happens in Did you both were you both attending Celebrate Recovery? Yes. yes. Okay, so as a couple you went to Celebrate Recovery, which mm-hmm. Celebrate Recovery we have here Thursday night at 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. and uh, Jackie Turner is the leader of Celebrate Recovery. And great job Jackie, she's a great counselor, mm-hmm. and we're thankful for that ministry. Talk to us about what happened in this process of restoration.
2: Well, uh, the 12-step process is, uh, is accepting. You know, um, realizing that you, you, you did this thing and, um, and going through the 12 step process. So it was a weekly thing, uh, that I would, you basically would set it, separate men and women into d- different rooms and then you would just talk really quite frank and just get everything out in the open. And uh, to just show um, different things that you struggle with, different things that you're going through. Man, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I, I shouldn't have seen that movie. I shouldn't have watched this on the Internet. And now I'm struggling with it. You know, ha- help me out. I, and just just really sharing, expressing those feelings to other men has really helped heal. Wow. And Lisa, how about you?
0: What, what was happening for you during that time?
3: Um, I was also um, in a class and, and sharing I guess uh, my codependency and you know trying you know the process of letting my feelings go because I'm the type of person who just stuffs it I don't really share my feelings I and it was hard for me it was hard for me to do that process and and um, expose myself to be vulnerable again And um, but through it God worked in me and I was able to you know, um, let those feelings out and, um, learn that, you know, I'm worthy of love and, and, um, wow. acceptance and cause through that whole thing, I didn't feel, yeah. uh, worthy of his love or, um, of anybody's love. Mm. So,
0: wow. You are loved. Yeah. God loves you, Lisa. <laughs> Yes, amen. (laughs) God loves you. Uh, We're going to talk about the restoration in just a moment here, but talk about the consequences. Talk about what were some of the consequences of your failure, Tom.
2: Uh, I was in ministry really for about 13 years, I guess, um, with combined years. And I never knew what it was like to not And when you're a, called to
0: ministry, you, you really can't do anything uh, else. Is that right?
2: It's a struggle. I I, um, I would be outside working in the hot sun. And I would be like, God, what do you have for me? What am I doing? I don't think you can use me. Can you still use me the same way? I was just had all these things. It was actually the best and the worst time at the very same time. Because God got me right where he needed me to be. He got me all by myself. Just me in a truck, just frying to death outside. Uh-huh. and I Killing like, bugs. Oh. But God showed me through that that he just wanted to spend time with me. Hey, I got you right where I want you. You're all by yourself so I can minister to you. I can pour into you and just minister to you. Wow. And I, I hated that job. I absolutely hated that job. I came home and I said, uh-huh. I loathe this job. I absolutely loathe it. But God used that job to really get my attention and to really say, okay, I've called you into ministry. I'm making you stronger. I'm making you, I'm making you the man of God that I need you to be. Because if, if you don't go through this process, if you skip from A to Z, then you have to redo this whole thing all over again, because you need to go through this ABCD and every process. Wow. Amen. Uh,
0: Talk. I want to hear just a little more about the, con- just the consequences. consequences. What, what were some of the things that happened? as Well, I lost,
2: I lost my job. Uh, I had two incomes. You lost uh, two I, jobs. Two jobs. All at once, fell yes. swoop. You lost one two jobs. Um, I uh, was working at Faith Christian Academy. I was a music teacher. I loved the job. I lost it. Um, I also lost the job from here, part-time. Uh, and uh, I didn't know what to do. I can remember crying on the floor uh, basically almost in a fetal position and saying, God, what do you have? You promised, you promised me that you would take care of us. Yeah. And all I could do was just go outside the house, walk around in a big circle, walk around in a big circle until God God could do something. And next thing you know, I go down the street and Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan, who lives down the street with us, he says, I got a job for you. I was like, you do? Are you sure? He says, yeah, you start tomorrow. I was like, Really? So Uh, so God still showed grace? Yes. But it did
0: begin a process of financial challenges for you. Yes.
2: Yes, We we, uh, basically lost our home. Uh, We lost uh, the income. um, Cut in half, more than half probably. Uh, But God was always faithful. I can remember sometimes showing up and lights would be turned off. I can remember water being turned off. I can remember all these things that... So that just
0: adds to the condemnation and the guilt and the shame. Mm -hmm. But you went the process of restoration, mm-hmm. and God's grace was sufficient for you. Isn't that Amen? right, guys? Yes. Amen. It was. Lisa, uh, this has got to be very challenging. Your boys are here in the yes. room today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but to have my life exposed like this, most of you, uh, you don't want anybody to know your life. Isn't that right? Most of us, we want to keep the mask on. But Tom and Lisa have been brave enough to stand before us because the Bible paints the story the way it really is. And everyone in this room has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Amen. but there the grace of God go I, Amen? Amen. And God has restored Tom. He's now the worship leader uh, at City Church. And uh, Tom, we're so grateful for your ministry in life, and and to see Lisa to see the, this season. It was kind of interesting how that season of your life actually finished uh, with the closing, with the, the the foreclosure on your house and the loss of your house on May 24th, and you're giving your testimony today. God's goodness and grace. And I just want you to know that I love you guys and I'm yes. so proud of you. Amen. And I know that this has been a very child, a lot of thoughts even last night thinking about what you're going to say. Amen. But uh, we are just honored that you would be open enough and transparent enough Amen. because see, we're we're a hospital here. Amen. We're a hospital for people that have hurts, Amen. have habits Amen. and hang Come on. And where sin abound, that much more did grace abound. There's a challenge. There were consequences. The consequences in David's life, sin always has a cost. Sin always has a price. There's a hefty price tag. Satan will take you farther than you ever planned. He'll hold you longer than you ever thought. And he'll make you pay more than you ever could have imagined. He's a cruel taskmaster. Like Tom, you heard the story. I mean, it just, it was self-deception. David was deceived. David was deceived, thinking that he was going to get away with something. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. The Bible says that all the ways of a man are exposed before the Lord. He sees your coming and your going. He knows every detail of a life. He knows every detail of your life. You can't hide anything from God. David, when he tried to hide, he, he tried to cover up. When you try to cover up your sin, it makes it worse. When you try to cover up, you make one lie, which causes another lie. David caused this lie, which caused him to put Hariah in a place where he would be killed, which brought even greater consequences. Greater consequences. Self-deception it's, its so wily. The consequences are so devastating. You read the story of David and Bathsheba. And the child that was, it was a result of this illicit relationship, after the child was born, died. But God didn't forget. God had a plan. God had a plan of restoration. God had a plan of redemption. I, I, I want to just read to you the words of David. I, wanna, I want you to hear these words in Psalms, chapter 51, The Bible says that after David's sins were discovered, David actually in Samuel says, Oh God, I have sinned against you. In Psalms chapter 51, David acknowledges, he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proven right when you speak and justified when you judged. David cried out, Then I acknowledge my sin to you. and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Amen. Confession of sin and failure. First of all, begins with an acknowledgement that you sinned. That it's your sin. You're not doing, you know... The the tendency for everyone when we're trapped by a sin is to want to look for someone else to blame. You know, it's a psychological disorder. It's My parents did this to me. I I experienced this emotional trauma as a child. And all those things may be real and true. And those are things we have to work with. But you've got to own your own sin. You've got to own it. And when you own it, you become sorrowful. And you become ashamed. You become ashamed. Uh, There's not enough tears of repentance. I, I believe that. When you're truly sorry for your sin, your heart is broken because you've sinned against the holy God. You've sinned against the God who is perfect and holy and just. Sorrow of heart, brokenness of heart leads to a word called repentance. Repentance means changing the way that I think. But repentance repentance as we begin to change the way that we think it means that we begin to turn and walk into the direction Tom had to make a turn I remember those times I remember some of the conversations and trying to still work through those emotions but when we repent it's a godly sorrow uh, listen Fifty percent of the men and our fifty percent of the men in our church struggle with pornography on a weekly basis. It isn't just men now. The percentage of women that view pornography and are trapped by sexual sins. Women who fantasize and maybe you never even go to the internet, but women's emotions are tied to another person because of verbal conversation. It's rampant in our generation. It's rampant in our culture. Couples living together before they're married is so rampant. And just 50 years ago, less than 10% of the population lived together before they got married. Now it's over 60%. This value system that we've created this devoid of tr- the scriptures and the truth of God's word. It's not right. And The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. David, he confessed that his sin was before God. Against you and you only have I sinned. But then the Bible says that he believed that there was a God who would forgive. Psalms 103 says, Praise the Lord all my soul and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. If God treated you as your sins deserve, who could stand? Come on, you can't point a finger at someone else because when you do, you got three pointing back at yourself. God doesn't treat us according to what we deserve. God treats us not according to our iniquities, but as far as the east is from the west. So far has He removed our transgressions from us. God can't tolerate sin. God always exposes it, every time. Either you confess your sin, or God exposes your sin. You either confess your sin or God will expose it. It, 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 Jesus said, those things that are done in secret, they will be shouted from the housetop. They'll be shouted. It's always exposed. Someone always finds out. Someone always knows. That's why it's best just to get it out there. It's just best to get it out there and say, you know what? I'm a flawed vessel. I have a sin nature, but by, by the grace of God, it is no longer I that lives, but it is Christ that lives in me. Come on. It is Christ that lives in me. Every man. Every man from Genesis to Revelation that ever encountered a holy God fell before Him and said, I'm a nun. Holy, holy, holy. He's a holy and pure God. But He's also a God who forgives. Psalms 51, He cries out, Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, but use me. It's a teachable moment today. The consequences of what took place in Thomas Lisa's life. We're not lifting it up here as some kind of uh, trophy of what you can do and get away with. We're lifting it up. Listen, guys, there's a redemption. There's a purchasing. There's a buying back because of the cross of Christ. And the blood of Jesus forgives the vilest sinner such as some as us. Amen? Amen? Come on, amen? Psalms 51 says, You do not delight in sacrifice. See, Tom thought he could get free from his addiction by his own power and his own strength. David thought he could do it on his own. No way. Listen to what David said. It was not a sacrifice that God delighted in, or I would have brought it to you. You do not take pleasure in my going to church and trying to be religious, but the sacrifices of God, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. This notion of you need more religion. This notion that you're going to try a little harder. You're going to work a little harder at it. Give it up. Give it up. The only way that you can experience the power of God's deliverance is by receiving it by grace. Through faith. It's not your works. You see, so many people are trying to do it themselves. No, no, no. You can't do it yourself. You see, when temptation comes, you've got two choices. You run to it. Or you run from it. You run. There's no one, Tom, that he could handle it. David thought he could handle just a little look at Bathsheba. Come on, uh, just a little peek, a little look. Oh, I'm, I no, will, bam. And, then, and next thing you know, you're trapped. You're ensnared. You can't handle it. You play with a little bit, a little fire, and you get burned every time. You can't handle it. But God's grace is sufficient today. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. You see, God did his part, but you have your part. Two guys, Joseph and David. Joseph and David. Joseph, when temptation came through Potiphar's wife, when she stripped down naked and said, Have sex with me, the Bible says that Joseph fleed. He ran. David, when the naked woman laid before him, called for her and took her into himself and had sexual relations. You got two choices. You either flee temptation, you either run from temptation, or you run to it. The devil's a cruel test, Master. This morning, the challenge for every person in this room is to allow God to do his part. Is to allow God to do his part. God's part to cleanse, to forgive, to fill us. Listen to what Peter says. Repent. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. First love, first love, return to your first love. Turn, repent, change the way you think. Come on, you know today. You know the struggle, the internal battle. Well, that's not my issue. Well, maybe your issue is lying. Maybe you have a problem with stealing. Maybe your problem is gossiping about what you just heard this morning and said, thank God I'm not like them. Maybe that's your problem. See, everyone in this room has fallen short. And we need the grace of God. Turn to God. Repent of your ways. So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord I want you to bow your heads in a mixed congregation like this it's challenging because we're ashamed and embarrassed but you have a couple up here that just laid open their lives because see no one here is judging them I'm not judging them if you're judging them shame on you shame on you we're not judging here we're here to encourage we're here to stand in the gap we're here to pray for one another James says, confess your sins one to another, and you'll be healed. Today, in this room, I believe there are, there are those that God is speaking to you. And right now, in this moment, we're not here to embarrass anyone, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And you know that in this area of purity, there's been a great battle. You've been losing more than you've been winning. And, and today, you're just say, God, I need that grace. I need that grace. I, I need that power. Listen, there, I know I know this, it's a great challenge, but you're here today. I want to I wanna challenge you to open your heart to God. I want to challenge you in just a moment. We're going to stand together and we're just going to begin to worship. And right where you're at, you're going to begin to confess and you're going to begin to worship. You're going to allow God's grace to bring refreshing to your spirit and to your soul. But if that's you this morning, there's a struggle in your heart and you know that you haven't been winning in the area of purity. You know in your own thoughts, in your own heart, and maybe even in your own actions, you know today you want to get it right with God. If that's you, when I count to three, we're just going to, I'm going to have you raise your hand. Man or woman alike, young person, old person, doesn't matter how old you are. Come on, Tom didn't get free until he got honest with God, and he got honest with others. I'm going to pray for you this morning. There's no one looking right now. We're not here to embarrass you. But right now between you and God, I want you to just on the count of three to raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now in this room, come on. All across this room, all across this room. Oh. I want you to stand with me this morning. The worship team is just going to begin to lead us in worship. Come on, times, you, when you stand, you raise your hand, when you, when you raise your hand this morning, you're acknowledging before God that you need His grace. You're acknowledging before God that you would sin. You're acknowledging before God, you're saying, "God, I need you to forgive." And as the worship team begins to sing amazing grace. I want you to just begin to ask God to cleanse you. I want you to begin to ask God to fill you with His Spirit. Come on, I just want you to begin to ask God this morning to bring a freshness to your spirit, a renewal to your heart and to your love for Him. Can we do that right now? Come on, let's lift our hands all across this audience. Let's just begin to worship as we sing Amazing Grace.
4: was blind but now I see it, amazing grace Singing, amazing grace how sweet the sound would say a wretch like me. I once was Lord Oh, now, I'm found. Oh, 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 now I found
0: The worship team is going to lead in just a moment but I'm going to dismiss the service and there are some of you today you know you know you need to do business with God. I challenge you don't leave this place come to these altars begin to seek after him Come on begin to call on him. You need His grace. You know today, you need His power. You know that you need more of Him before you leave this place. I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. And as people are leaving, you feel the need to come to these altars. There will be altar workers that will pray with you today. Father, I thank You for every person that's here today. I thank You for the message of purity and hope. And the message of grace and redemption that You've given to us. I thank You, God, for Tom and Lisa and their willingness to open their hearts and to expose their lives to this wonderful congregation. God, we thank you that you're a God who helps us in our time of need. You're the God who restores us in our hurts. And you're the God that delivers us from our habits. You're the God that brings hope to us today. And by faith in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person that's here. God, I bless them this week. I pray for each of us today a greater reminder, a greater sense of renewal, and a passion for you. Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together as we close today. Please in grace
4: how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind. God. Come on, let's say praise God, 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 come on let's say amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wish like feel I once was Lord, but now. I found was alive, but now I now see. If you all need prayer, you're welcome to come up. The altars are open for you. But if not, God bless you guys. Just be sensitive to the people that are out here at the altar. There's so room at the altar, and you're welcome to come up anytime for prayer. Oh, me. See. my chains my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed on me and I come for His mercy around. I am in love, amazing
5: The difference that makes the earth up and I'm feeling down, down so low I have, bottomed down Calvin where my heart is found, just now I am here with you, come around again, I am here with you, come around again. I am here when you come around